Welcome to the Link to Prevention podcast, hosted by the KSARC Prevention Team. On today's episode, we'll be talking about consent and how we teach consent in the classrooms. Now, I know that the three of us, we're all very different in age. We've all likely been taught consent in very different ways. Uh, I would love to hear how you were introduced to consent and at what age. Um, I can tell you mine. It was not comprehensive at all. I can tell you that. Uh, I'm a child of the 70s, and I can tell you with utter certainty that consent was never talked about or discussed in school or college. My sex ed was in seventh grade, and they split us up into boys and girls, and my gym teacher, Mr. Frank, stood in the back of the class in his tracksuit barking at us to take the topic seriously and then firing up the 16 millimeter projector so we could all see footage of a sperm cell penetrating an egg cell. Now, I was fortunate to have a father who was open to talking with me about sex. I had a lot of problems with my father growing up, but he was always open to answering any questions I had about sex. He and I would go for these long walks at night and solve the problems of the world. But it was also this time where I would open up to him and ask him these really big, deep questions. And I know many kids are not lucky enough to have such an adult in their lives, but those kids still have questions and they will seek out answers. And if not from an adult, then a peer or worse, the internet. So anyway, Jessica, how did you learn about consent? I actually had a similar sex ed experience in school. The first time that topic was brought up was in fifth grade and they split us up into boys and girls and we watched a video called just around the corner talking about our period (laughs) and how we had so much to look forward to um (laughs) but aside from that and then some discussion about stds and pregnancy prevention in high school that was kind of the extent of my sex ed there wasn't really talk about consent or what a lack of consent meant um, until I was in college and we had, I think it was a incoming freshman, uh, had a bunch of different seminars and things that we had to go to when we went to school for the first week of school when everybody was moving in. Um, and one of those was like a, a sexual assault prevention seminar um, that talked about the fact that sometimes people will say no and that we have to respect that. Um, and what to do if that doesn't happen. But that was pretty much the extent of my conversations about consent in school. I similarly had some bits and pieces of sex ed starting in fifth grade, lots of uh, separation of genders, like you both had said, and there was never even the word consent mentioned all throughout middle school, high school. And I remember feeling so upset and frustrated that I was like missing something because when I got to college, I learned about consent and I learned the word consent. I uh, returned to my high school the summer after my freshman year of college and I talked to my health teacher a bit angrily, I must admit, um, saying, well, why the heck are we not taught consent in high school? It doesn't seem fair that all we're talking about is STIs and birth control. And she kindly informed me that over there in Maine, uh, where I grew up, they had abstinence-centered or abstinence-focused education, and she would have gotten in trouble 
if she had taught us about consent. So I did not learn it until college and then became a really big proponent, we'll say, after that. Um, the two of you do a really good job of introducing consent without it being sexual. Mm -hmm. And it sort of lays this groundwork, this framework uh, that you build upon so that by the time students are in 12th grade, well, you are, they've been talking about consent and sex. Well, that's not how we start. So I think it would be important for parents to hear, how do we introduce the topic of consent to young kids? The way that we teach consent in schools is um, when we ask kids what their definition of consent is, most of them give us like asking for permission, getting permission to do something. And you get and receive and give permission all the time in your life to do a lot of different things um, and not just things that are connected to sex. Uh, I think one of the concepts that the kids tend to understand um, the most is like asking for permission to enter somebody's space. Like there are some people in your lives that maybe they don't need to ask every single time to come into your room. Um, but there are other people that you would want to ask for your permission before they would come into your room. There are some people that say like, oh, if my door is closed, then that means that I need you to knock, right? Different things like that. I mean, we when we teach about the basic concepts and the different um, aspects of consent that need to be met. When we're talking with fifth and sixth graders, we use the analogy of uh, asking somebody to borrow a jacket. Um, and you can apply all of the different, all of the five components of consent can be applied to asking somebody to borrow a jacket. Because one of those things that we do with consent education is we start off talking about boundaries. Yes. And boundary violations. And we ask students for examples of boundary violations in their own lives. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking with fifth and sixth graders, boundary violations almost 99% of the time involve a sibling mm -hmm. doing something like barging into your room yep. or borrowing their clothes without permission mm -hmm. or eating their food. So these are the boundary violations that we house consent conversations in yep. and things that kids really relate to. I mean, definitely. And both talking about boundaries and talking about consent are really just rooted in empowerment. Like what we're trying to do here is empower these kids to say what they like, what they don't like, what they're okay with and what they're not okay with and telling them, no, you can set a boundary there. Uh, and it is up to you whether or not you want to give permission to do something. So, I mean, I just see it rooted completely in empowerment and letting kids and teens know that they have a choice in what they're doing or what they're not doing or what they're comfortable with or not. Yeah. And how to comfortably voice that to the people in their lives and that it's okay to say, no, I'm not comfortable doing that. Well, I also like talking about boundary navigation because Jessica, one of the things you talk about in class is that you might be able to approach somebody in a different way to get what you want without just having to resort to taking it. Mm -hmm. um, and you give examples about borrowing people's coats mm -hmm. and that if somebody approaches you the right way, you might allow them to borrow a coat. Mm -hmm. You might not, it's your choice, but sometimes a person's approach uh, will inform your decision. Yeah, um, I think that 
borrowing things, um, entering spaces. Sometimes um, when we talk about boundaries and understanding or seeing if a boundary has been violated, we let kids know and we give them the example that they can see within their own lives that like when you feel hurt, that's probably a good example that a boundary has been crossed. And then we ask, you know, if maybe something had been done differently, would you maybe not have felt hurt by that? Same action, but if um, I think another example along with the coat that I use is uh, a parent entering your bedroom, right? If your mom barges into your room and starts going through your things, doesn't tell you why or what they're doing or what they're looking for, um, that can feel extremely violating. Um, But if a parent were to knock on your door, wait for a response and then ask you what it is that they're needing or looking for or wanting, then maybe you're going to be more likely to ask to allow them into your space to do the exact same thing that they are planning on doing already. But the way that they approach it is going to make you um, consider allowing that thing to happen. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have conversations about consent all the time, Mm -hmm. right? Like that is something that we try to really instill in, the students too is like you've been asking for consent this is not a new concept we're just defining it for you as what it is if it's something that that feels kind of new to you we also talk about it in online spaces so like another good example that we talk about uh for like middle schooler age typically is posting pictures of somebody without asking if that's okay or tagging somebody in something uh without asking them if that's something that they're interested in being tagged in and that can happen across the span of a lifetime. I mean, I I know we've had some kids similarly who've said, my older sibling or my parent posted a picture and I didn't like it. Um, Is that okay? Well, then that that wasn't a consensual posting. And maybe that should be a conversation about what you're comfortable with sharing online. For sure. So this idea of affirmative consent is kind of new. Mm -hmm. And it involves a lot more than no means no. Yeah. We teach that there are elements to consent that must be considered. Uh, Can you explain to parents what these elements are and how we talk about them with kids? Sure. So uh, we use a model that is an acronym called FRIES. So F-R-I-E-S. Each of those letters uh, stands for a different aspect of consent that needs to be met um, in order for consent to be given and accepted, right? So the F in this acronym stands for freely given. Um, and it's, it's really fun when we're in the classroom to kind of go through this with the students and use our prize poster um, that Jessica beautifully made at first. And then we kind of revamped uh, with bigger and better French fries. Um, so they always have a lot of fun with that. Um, so anyway, so the F is freely given. Uh, the R is reversible. The I is informed. The E is enthusiastic and the S is specific. What is, can we go through these, each of these? Let's explain to parents what freely given means. How do we explain that to kids? What does that aspect of consent mean? Freely given, um, we say that that means that you are choosing to do something because it's what you want to do. Um, And it's not because someone convinced you that it's what you want to do. It's not because somebody manipulated you into thinking it's what you want to do or shamed you or guilted you for not wanting to do something. Um, So freely given basically means that if you're agreeing to do something, it's because 
you want to and not because someone forced you or made you say that you want to do that. I think it's a good moment to encourage students to kind of look inward, do and see what do you want to do? Is this something that somebody is actually just asking you and you feel like you owe it to them for some reason? Maybe they're older, maybe they're stronger, maybe they're related to you. There's all sorts of different reasons that we feel like we need to do things sometimes, but that freely given piece is really for students to kind of look inward and see, is this something that I have a desire to do and want to engage in? The R is for reversible. So reversible means what with consent? Reversible basically means that you can take it back at any point in time and that's okay that you can do that. Um, So if you are talking to somebody about agreeing to do something, um, you know, through text or on the phone or days before, um, then then in that moment you're like, ooh, actually I don't really want to do this anymore or this isn't something that I'm comfortable with, Um, that it is okay that you changed your mind and that you don't have to do that thing anymore and that it should always be available for you to make that decision to to change your mind right and we always make the point of even if you're halfway through doing something even if you're hugging somebody and they decide they want to kiss you and you don't want to kiss you just want to hug that day then great then you can say nope i'm good i just want to hug. cool so fries f-r-i is informed Explain informed. So informed is essentially that you know all about what is going to happen. You have all of the information about the situation. Um, So, I mean, that really just goes back to having a conversation with the person who this consent giving process is happening with, um, which, I mean, could mean the time of day that you're going to do something with somebody. It could mean how long you're going to be with them. It uh, could mean the place that you're going to meet Um, maybe you're going to go make out with somebody and you don't want to do that in their car, but that's where they're going to do it. But you didn't know you were going to be in a car, right? So being informed is understanding all of the aspects of what is going on, where, when, why, how, all of those pieces. For our younger kids, uh, another example we use is if you're, if somebody is asking you to borrow something and they don't tell you the way in which they're going to be using that thing, um, like maybe whatever it is that they're planning on doing could potentially ruin that item and they don't tell you that, then like maybe you're going to be a little bit upset if you agreed to that and you didn't know that information. With the older kids, this also includes the seemingly really difficult conversation around STIs yes. um, and past sexual history and medical information that really is necessary to be having before you're uh, having sex with somebody. Enthusiastic. E, enthusiastic consent. What does that mean? A bit of what it sounds like, right? So it's that, again, goes back to the desire piece, actually wanting to be doing the thing, whatever the thing is, and being excited about it, being enthusiastic about it. It's funny because oftentimes the younger kids don't know the word enthusiastic. (laughs) So we do have to kind of explain it as excited. Like, don't you, wouldn't you rather say, oh my gosh, yes, I want to do that thing versus, ugh. I guess, I guess we can, yeah. right? So it's kind of that extra little bit of excitement in doing it. Yeah, and I think the other way that we sometimes describe it is like explicit enthusiastic consent um, because a non-answer is not a yes. If someone is not able to respond or someone doesn't say anything, that doesn't mean that they're agreeing to something. So a yes is something that has to be stated and felt and meant in that moment. So you can't accept silence 
has a yes. Silence is not consent. Silence is not consent. All right. F-R-I-E-S, specific, specific, what do we mean? Yeah, so specific basically means that whatever it is that you're agreeing to is all that you're agreeing to, and you don't have to agree to a bunch of other stuff just because you agreed to this one thing. Um, So the example, again, that we use for younger kids is if I ask to borrow somebody's jacket and they allow me to borrow that jacket, that doesn't mean that I can just take it now whenever I want to. Um, And that also doesn't mean that if they agree to that, that I can then go to their house and pick out any jacket that I want to. Um, That was the specific jacket that they were agreeing to let me borrow. um, And I can't just go take it a different one just because that's the one that I want. And they said that I could borrow a jacket so I could just take whatever jacket I wanted to. That is kind of the example that we use for younger kids. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I mean, the root of all of these is really similar in a lot of ways, like Mm -hmm. explaining specific is really connected to explaining reversible and talking about informed. And at the root is really just the communication piece of talking with somebody about what is going to happen between the two of you before it happens rather than, you know, trying to get through it um, without saying anything and maybe being harmed or maybe accidentally harming somebody else. Now, I know that this acronym FRIES uh, you use and you have this awesome poster of the big french fry container and all the kids love it but there is an extra added ingredient to our consent discussion that we use for older uh students and we we sort of hannah jessica i think you talk about this as a salt shaker Mm -hmm. of age of consent like of age appropriateness Mm -hmm that consent also has to be age appropriate. So this sprinkling of age appropriate salt on the fries (laughs) means what? What does it mean to be age appropriate? Age appropriate basically just means that sometimes there are certain things that you have to be a certain age to be able to agree to do those things or to be able to engage in those activities. Um, One of the ones that we use a lot is uh, getting a driver's license. Just because you decide at the age of 13 that you want to be able to drive wherever you want to, that doesn't mean that you can go and get a driver's license and do that legally. Yeah, age appropriate ties into consent in a lot of different ways, but it basically means that you have to be a certain age to be able to engage in certain things and to be able to consent or agree to do those things. You have to be a certain age. It really relates back to what we kind of lead up with. So we talk about boundaries, right? We also talk about power before we talk about consent. And one thing that almost all of the students can understand is that typically somebody who's older has more power. So that really is a good way for us to lead up into talking about this age appropriateness and the understanding that if somebody much older than you is asking you to do something, then you don't want to do it. It might be hard to say no, but that doesn't mean that you can't say no. And that also ties into a lot of times when we have these conversations, kids will say, well, my parents did something and I didn't agree to that. And it's like, yeah, unfortunately, until you're a certain age, um, our parents have the authority to make certain decisions for us because that's what the law states. The law states that our parents can decide that some information be known to other people. Um, because that is the authority that they have until we turn a certain age. So that is also a conversation that can kind of help them understand more about consent and and how uh, they sometimes, unfortunately, don't get to use that as an excuse to not do something or to do something with their parents. <laughs> Gosh, so I really enjoyed hearing about how all of us learned about consent and you know having the conversation of how how we've been talking about it and teaching it in schools, and it really makes 
me wonder and kind of want to say and ask you all, listeners, have you talked to your kids about consent and have you told them how you learned about it? And if not, is that something you could do? Is that something you could try? Um, Because sharing that with them could be really, really valuable in this consent conversation. Until next time, stay curious, be kind, and take care. Find out more about the services offered and to stay up to date on everything that prevention is doing, check us out online at ksark.org. That's K-C-S-A-R-C.org. This podcast was funded in part by a grant awarded by the Department of Justice. Points of view in this podcast are those of the author and do not necessarily represent the official position or policies of the Department of Justice. Grants funded are administered by the Office of Firearm Safety and Violence Prevention under the Public Safety Unit at the Washington State Department of Commerce.